Oh my God. There's so, everyone's so related here. That's good. Uh, we're just a live panel show podcast where, uh, you all right, Jesse? Yeah. All right. Goth corner. You're wearing the right color, Jesse. That's good. We're no, no, he's he's playing punk footsie with me. <laughs> it's punk the same footsie. as footsie. It just hates the establishment. Yeah, <laughs> just kicks each other, kick each other in the shins. That's what punk footsie is. It's just a mosh pit for your feet. It has a lot of really interesting ideas, but you hate listening to them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so join the establishment. Yeah. Get over yourself. Come on, man. <laughs> you're not selling out. You're buying in, man. Okay, here we go. Are ready? ready? <laughs> Why are we berating? I don't know. People that are here all the time. Right? Roughly 24 to 92 hours ago, <laughs> Stab's team of comedy scientists commissioned four specific humorists to give various potentially comedic takes on several random topics, which they'll now perform for the first and likely last time in front of a live studio audience That's you guys. in a show called Oh my god, hello everyone. Welcome, welcome to Stab, everyone here on Broadway uh, in Sacramento, California. Not the good Broadway uh, that you think of in other cities, but uh, we live uh, 1710 Broadway. If you want to come out and check out the show, we're here every Friday at 10 o'clock. Uh, are you turning me down? All right, that doesn't seem necessary. <laughs> Stop messing with my topic. Uh, anyway, uh, you guys want to meet your contestants of the show, Stab? Yeah? Okay, okay, yeah. Corey and Lemke right there. Greg Saban. Greg Saban. Oh, so good. Melanie, Melanie Ford. She has a different name on Facebook. And, and Jesse Jones. Jesse Jones. Not necessary. Yeah. I'm John Morris Ross, and my mic is being turned down. I can't hear myself. Hello. How are you, everyone? Was that passive-aggressive? <laughs> Um, sorry, Melanie. I I didn't. I wasn't sure what last name to give you. That, that's okay. Are we? And actually, like, it's probably a good idea that I meet people before the show. But I don't think <laughs> we've ever met. Have Have we ever said words to each other? No. It just just you exist and I exist and we see each other and that's. That's right. We, was it? Yeah. There was no choosing going on of right. not talking. It was just coincidental, right? On your part. Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Good. Do, all right. Well, thanks for coming. I appreciate it. Uh, let's meet our other contestants. Uh, Corinne Lemke. Hello. Well, hi there. How are you? You know, good. How? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to look Why at me. So you suspicious. Just, <laughs> yeah. I know. What have you? What have you been? Where? 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 Where were you yesterday? <laughs> Same place I always am at my house. At your house. My many babies. You know. All right. Same here. High yeah. five. Baby yeah. high five. Nice. Our hands stuck together for a second. <laughs> That's right, with child stuff. <laughs> okay, Greg. Yes. How, <laughs> what's how are your hands doing? 
uh, fine, I guess. You know, a little chapped. It's a little cold. It is windy. a little cold, chapped. I think hands. I've been sick since the last time I was on this show. Dude. Yeah, this. Uh, it's, it's been a rough, uh, sicky season. Yeah. How yeah. long? How long did it last for you? Six months. Oh, I'm still sick. You're still sick. So I get to share the mic with Kareem. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, she's Good. really. She has kids. It. it doesn't matter. That's probably. That's <laughs> she probably has fair. everything. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Well, get well soon. Ah, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Uh, I'm you, flying high on lots of stuff right are now. Are you? Oh, yeah. E? Did you do E? Yes. Did you do... Is Molly and E the same thing? It could be. I don't know either. It's not, says the punk rocker. Not straight edge. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Right. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, Greg. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> Melanie. I want to call you Melody a lot. Does that happen to you a lot in life? Uh, like with a D? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> On behalf of everyone that does it, I feel I'll take it. I'll so, take so long as you don't just give in to the whim, it's, it's fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do it during the show. So. <laughs> your sisters have your back, though. So you got two sisters here. So oh, shit. Well, thanks for being on the show, whoever you are. <laughs> Jesse Jones. Hi. Let's play Stab. Welcome to Stab. I need more out of you, audience. I need more out of you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I want after everything I say. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Uh, so, uh, just a quick disclaimer. Um, usually we get the prompts out uh, a little bit earlier, but I think I, I got them out last night to them. Just barely twenty four hours. Just barely twenty four hours before uh, the show, so they're they're on a on the 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 very tight urgent end of prompt <laughs> writing. I was at home last night, um, high, <laughs> thinking it was Wednesday. So marijuana, naughty. <laughs> <laughs> <No, that> <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Let's go ahead and play stab. <laughs> that was the last of that. This first segment. <laughs> it's going to be a long, long night. It's going super smooth. Yep. I don't have to pick up my kids tonight. It's fine. No, lean into it. Uh, this first segment's called Reorganization. It's a fan favorite. You wouldn't know. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm very... I'm, I don't know. It's going to fight each and every one That's of right. you. That's right. I will. At the same time, we'll do a gang initiation in the back, and I'll fight all of you, and then I will be a crip. And uh, again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this segment's called Reorganization. Uh, please take the following acronym, reimagine it. What does it now stand for? Who or what does it now represent? Uh, in celebration of today being National Proofreading Day. I don't know if you knew that. National Proofreading Day. Uh, today's acronym is grammar, G-R-A-M-M-E-R. -M -M -E I should have spelled it wrong, <laughs> That's but I didn't. Good. That would have been more of a spelling <laughs> joke than a grammar joke. <laughs> All right. There, there we go. You're on. I, I, I shall go now. Corey. Uh, so I don't know if you've all been watching sitcoms lately, but from Friends to New Girl to Three's Company, probably roommates always be banging. <laughs> uh, grammar, spelled G-R-A-M-M-E-R, -M -M -E is an acronym for one of the most profoundly troubling trends in our society today. Grammar stands for 
gorgeous roommates are misinterpreting my every reaction. <laughs> it happens to everyone. Your hot roommate asks you for a rent check and you say, here you go. But they hear you say, here you go. <laughs> and then you guys hook up. We're just friends, all right. That's what you proclaim. But no, you hooked up. It's not your fault if your roommate says, do you mind taking my socks out of the dryer? And you say, yeah, sure. But what do they hear? They hear, yeah, let's bone. And then you fuck again. <laughs> like, how does this keep happening? Or like when your roommate says, hey, have you watched the Umbrella Academy? And you say, no, not yet. But he heard you say, take your fucking clothes off. <laughs> This is a real problem, guys. Like, why can't two attractive consenting adults discuss mundane apartment chores without things spiraling in a sexual direction? <laughs> Grammar. Gorgeous roommates are misinterpreting my every reaction. Very good. Very good, Corrine. Very good. Greg Saban. All right. What does grammar mean to you? Welcome to another episode of Greg Reads a Maritime Minute. Everybody ready? <laughs> you don't have to spend too long on the high seas to hear tales of the ghost ship sailing in the North Atlantic called the Flying Dutchman. Seamen from around the world claim they've seen this ship, first reported lost almost 300 years ago. Some say the Dutch, being prime players in the somewhat generously titled Age of Exploration, had more than their fair share of sins deserving eternal damnation. From trading in slaves to subjugating native peoples, the Dutch were prime candidates to have a spectral ship trap their damned sailing souls in wrathful vengeance. <laughs> the legend claims that a Dutch ship returning to Holland after dropping off enslaved Africans in the Caribbean was struck with a virulent pestilence. All on board were overcome with sickness so rapidly that the ship was still under full sail as they all perished. The souls of the crew are said to be trapped on the ship as long as she remains sailing the open seas. Also, the Flying Dutchman is a secret menu item at In-N-Out, <laughs> consisting of nothing but two burger patties with a slice of cheese in the middle. This has been Greg Reads a Maritime Minute. Everybody, relax. <laughs> Very good, Greg. I w I'm gonna, when I listen to this episode, I'm going to time it, because I feel like that probably did actually come in a minute, and I want to hear more. So that's, that needs to happen. <laughs> Melanie. <laughs> what does grammar mean to you? <laughs> the gays want your children. <laughs> Educated. Whether gay, lesbian, bisexual, pansexual, polysexual, asexual, demisexual, gray, a, androphile, gynophile, diamoric, or just easy, they're people, <laughs> just like normal people. And people care about the future and want it to be full of well-read, media-literate, savvy adults. Unfortunately, the adults of tomorrow are your spawn of today. Little Everly and Braxton Hicks, they will never find their names on a novelty mug in a Disneyland gift shop, so they don't think they need to read at all. All they care about is poorly approximating already poorly approximated dance moves from Fortnite and, sne and sneaking off while you're at your granola mom's yoga sesh to get vaccinated. <laughs> Thankfully, the gays are tolerant and flexible. They will teach Everly, Braxton Hicks, and even your new one on the way, Muskie, how to read by appealing to their interests. The 45 most recent studies showing that vaccines don't cause autism, adrenal fatigue, or anal seepage illustrated, here they come. Just drop them at grammar. Gays reading at mischievous, moderately engaged rugrats. <laughs> Very good. Very good, Melanie. <laughs> Jesse Jones, no. what does grammar mean to you? 
I'm not sure what you have in mind, Richard, but I'll have you know that I'm entering into this massage with no more intention than to have my tension eased by the skilled hands of a trained masseuse. I don't want to feel any wayward phalanges creeping greedily into my tantalizing epidermal crevices for any of your vulgar carnal enjoyment. This is a platonic flesh kneading and nothing more to me, Richard. I'm sorry, but if this is going to cause any friction between us outside of the very invigorating therapeutic friction prescribed to me by my physician, then I may need to seek my remedy elsewhere. I too can feel the magnetism between us, Richard, but this must remain nothing more than a professional relationship. So please, I ask that you restrain yourself and do, do no more than generously rub all my muscles evenly, Richard. <laughs> do not linger around my labial folds, Richard. <laughs> I will excuse the unavoidable brushing of my majora, which I, rec <laughs> which I recognize as compulsory during the normal... <laughs> routine manipulation of my nodules. But I will absolutely not stand for any digital insertion, Richard. I understand that during the course of any massage, it is commonplace, some may even say frightfully routine, for the massage therapist's tiny shorts to fall helplessly to the floor. This isn't my first adjustment, Richard. And I do not blame you for this preordained cost of doing business. <laughs> but I'm no, under no circumstances, while, say, performing a lumbar adjustment, should your semi-erect penis brush across my pouty crack lips, Richard. <laughs> I will not be gently wrapped repeatedly about my chubby cheeks by your plump swimmer sausage, Richard. Oh, I'm sorry, you're not Richard. I had my face stuck in the massage table hole, waiting so vulnerable and nude. I didn't notice you not being Richard this whole time. Well, what then is your name, stranger? Oh, Raymond, well, that's convenient. Same rules apply to your naughty box, Turtle 2, Raymond. <laughs> now go on. Generously rub all my muscles evenly, Raymond. <laughs> oh, man. Were they roommates? <laughs> Just like uh, let's see. There, oh, there we go. There it is. There it is. All right, that brings us to our next segment. Uh, very good, everyone. I was crying. Uh, hopefully you figured this out. Again, marijuana. Uh, this segment's labeled the top five Google searches of, but it's really supposed to be, uh, uh, please write a haiku, haiku, topical haiku challenge. That's what that, so it's the topical haiku challenge. Uh, please have written three haiku each in regard to the following 
Um, there we go. The following topical story. Uh, the headline. Uh, does everyone know what's going on? Top haikus about a topical story. That's cool. Got it. Off the rails. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Sorry. A uh, headline. Uh, Taco Bell gives uh, a year of free food to the organ man who survived on sauce packets while his vehicle was trapped in the snow. An organ man said he survived five days in the snow tra- in a snow trap vehicle by eating packets of Taco Bell's fire sauce. Now the fast food chain is thanking him with free food for a year and all the sass- <laughs> sauce packets. <laughs> sass pockets. Sass pockets. <laughs> sass pockets. <laughs> Richard. Sass pockets. Don't touch my sass pockets, Richard. It's uh, <laughs> thanking him for... <laughs> All the sauce packets that come with it. All right. uh, Jeremy Taylor and his dog, Allie, were found alive Friday near Wake Butte, Oregon, uh, five days after he was last seen getting gas in Sun River. Taylor, who enjoys off-roading, told investigators his vehicle got stuck in deep snow. It was in quotes in the story. And, And after a failed attempt to walk to safety, they were forced to stay Put, stay put and uh, survive with little supplies. Let's go ahead and hear those top three haiku. We'll do one at a time and cycle through. Corey? Okay. Uh, this one's titled, Dude, What's in My Car? <laughs> Empty Red Bull can. Three phone chargers? Reusable bags? Oh, thank fuck, fire sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Greg? Walls of white, silent, stoically stand but melted with hot sauce excrement. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Melanie? The true act of kindness was giving him a year of anything else. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Jesse Jones? Two of mine are like, tie into two of those. I'm going to start with the one that ties directly into Corrine's first, uh, titled, I Fixed Your Headline. (laughs) Organ Man Saved by crap left laying around in his filthy car. (laughs) Very good. Uh, This one's titled, Diets Be Damned. Free Taco Bell for life. Well, slap me in my Taco Belly and supersize my pants. (laughs) Taco Belly. Great. (laughs) Suck, 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 packet. Tear, tear, suck, 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 packet. Tear, suck, packet, suck. (laughs) (laughs) Richard. (laughs) Very good. Melanie. The freezing cold, the red hot spice, the worst snow cone ever eaten. (laughs) (laughs) Jesse Jones. Um... Let's go with this one. Uh, second is titled Last Meal. The dog understood. If day six had come, there was one sauce packet left. <laughs> uh, this is just a note before I get to the title, but these are all legit slogans that have been on actual Taco Bell hot sauce packets. Um, the title is My Taco Bell hot sauce packets are taunting me. <laughs> And that happened. Live life one packet at a time. I'm burning up in here. Great. 
Just as each snowflake tells its unique frozen tale, so does hot sauce shits. <laughs> Very good. Millie? A dog has 24 million more scent receptors. <laughs> what that dog endured. <laughs> and my last tying back into Melanie's first, you all remember. <laughs> Titled Round Two, Fight. You survived five days in the snow. Now try one year of Taco Bell! <laughs> Very good. That was the Topical Haiku Challenge. Very good. Yeah. Sorry, did it scare you? Sass pockets. Sass pockets. Oh, my God. That was a good cop-out, Greg. <laughs> it was very good. It was very it was a good one. Uh, this next segment, we like to call it This Was Today Once. Uh, participants like to call it uh, the category they hate. Uh, Corrine. Yeah. Uh, today is International Women's Collaboration Brew Day. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Uh, yeah. Uh, also on this very date, 1817, the New York Stock Exchange is founded. Mm-hmm. Uh, how'd you celebrate these two things all mixed up? Well... Uh, to celebrate the opening of the New York Stock Exchange and International Women's Collaboration Brew Day. That's a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> International Women's Collaboration Brew Day. Um, anyway, uh, I obviously celebrated these things by getting really drunk and making risky investment decisions. <laughs> Woo! I start off by investing in a case of brew at Bedmo, <laughs> and then I get to work on my portfolio. First beer. That's all I need to spend one month's rent at Target. (laughs) Second beer, I sold my Apple TV and invested in a local youth lemonade stand. (laughs) Third beer, I traded my minivan for a handful of gold doubloons. (laughs) Buy, sell, drink, trade. (laughs) Fourth beer, by then my gold doubloons had melted into chocolate all over my hands and pants. Fifth beer, I bought a small startup specializing in feline acupuncture. (laughs) Sixth beer, traded my dog for more gold doubloons because those things were fucking delicious. Seventh beer, yacht. Eighth beer. (laughs) Eighth beer, investment property in Turlock, California. Ninth beer, marketing company to help me with my brand. (laughs) Tenth beer, bought the recording rights to Rebecca Black's Friday. From then on, it is a blur, but it is safe to say that my portfolio is plenty diverse and that there should be more women collaborating internationally to brew me up a good time. (laughs) Very good, Corey Lumpty. Greg Saban, uh, on this date, 1924, a mine disaster kills 172 coal miners near Castlegate, Utah. Uh, Also on this very date, 1994, the Defense Department announces a smoking ban in workplaces. How'd you celebrate the aforementioned events in tandem? Well, I uh, do what I usually do on this day, which is go to the library and uh, just look for look for things that that tie these two ex- important and exciting events together. And I came up with an interesting one uh, in the annals of Social Security history. <laughs> Thought you might enjoy this. This is a, an internal memo, uh, Social Security Administration internal memo memo for Social Security eyes only. 
from the desk of Mortimer J. Robinson, <laughs> oldest employee of the administration. This is, by the way, this is, this is just from last year. This, this document, <laughs> just from last year. Regarding projected shortfall, possible remedies, attention actuarial staff. I'm going to read this in the voice of what I imagine the oldest employee in the Social Security <laughs> Administration to sound like. When I first started here in the Social Security Administration in 44, too young even to go to war, our Social Security Trust Fund was full to the brim with taxes collected from American workers. At the time, benefits were payable to each and every American at the age of 65. Average life expectancy was 64. <laughs> Thanks to lax enforcement of working standards at places like coal mines, industrial plants, and quarries, the average worker had a good chance of dying on the job rather than dying in his bed. Well, hell, these days you can't lift a stapler without some egghead telling you the right ergonomic way to do it. <coughs> Sorry. I just coughed right on. <laughs> Directly. <laughs> when I was coming up, Social Security was flush. Hell, we didn't pay out to anybody. Everybody died of something, usually unknown causes, but something. Before they were even went gray. These were good times, my friends. Then people started living. Not all at once, mind you, but they started weaning themselves off three-meal-a-day TV dinner diets. They cut back from 100 cigarettes a day to only 60. And before you know it, we were paying out all over the place. But we weren't worried. Still pretty darn flush. More coming in than was going out. <laughs> then the goddamn government said smoking was bad for you. Can you believe that? The government stepping in and ruining every actuarial table in the country with one hoity-toity pronouncement? Well, before you know it, you couldn't smoke in church, then you couldn't smoke in hospitals, then it was daycares, then deep-sea diving bells, then airplanes, then you'll never believe this. They said you couldn't smoke at the Pentagon nor any other military establishment. That did it. Most people don't know. Most armed forces casualties were due to cigarettes before that. Before you know it, the money was flowing out of here like lies out of a Spaniard. <laughs> <laughs> As it stands now, we will run out of money by 2034. I may not be here then, but I've got some ideas how to keep our heads above water. One, start mining coal again. I don't even care if we use the stuff. Just start sending able-bodied people into mines. The rest takes care of itself. Two, bring back smoking. Maybe use some kind of electronic doohickey. Pack it with, <laughs> pack it with nasty shit and tell people it's good for them. And three... And this, unfortunately, is the least likely to work. But if you do it quietly and don't mention it too loud, just try to raise taxes on really rich people by a couple bucks. I know it's crazy, but hey, old men can dream. <laughs> Very good, Greg. Very good. Melanie Ford. On this date, 1971, the fight of the century between Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali commences. Frazier wins in 15 rounds via unanimous decision. Uh, also on this very date, Nigerian singer Fila Kuti is arrested again on suspicion of murder. Uh, how did you choose to celebrate the aforementioned events in tandem? When Frazier won, Ali refused to admit defeat and declared it the white man's decision. Look, I know nothing about boxing, and for all I know, it really was a ref move made totally in bias against Ali's... Ali's, at the time, pretty radical pro-black politics. But I also love just the idea of blaming the man for me not being great at things. For example, this is my second draft at this prompt. <laughs> I could say the first idea was a muddled mess and had to delete it completely, or 
I could blame the white man for giving me a prompt that begs me to step in a pile of accidentally racist shit in the first place. <laughs> Fucking Jesse gets to talk about James Vanderbeek. I want to talk about James Vanderbeek. He's a dumb, overrated nerd, and I've known it since the second grade. But no, I've been tasked to be the white girl that talks about Nigerian rebels. <laughs> I have nothing important to say about Nigerian rebels. And sure, I could blame myself for not bothering to learn anything more about Nigeria than through all the love scam, love scam episodes of Dr. Phil I watch obsessively. Or I could blame the white man for trying to keep the white woman just beneath him. Perfect. I have no flaws, and my shortcomings are everyone else's fault. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go commit a politically motivated murder and hold John Ross personally responsible. <laughs> Very good, Melody. <laughs> oh, you found me out. <laughs> my agenda is foiled. Feel attacked. Jesse Jones. <laughs> On this date, 1868, uh, the Sakai incident, I think that's how you say it, uh, happen. Uh, Japanese samurai kill 11 French sailors in the port of Sakai, Osaka. Also on this very date, 1977, American actor James Vanderbeek was born. <laughs> How'd you celebrate these two things all put together and stuff? I'm getting there. All right. So open up your morning light and say a little prayer for I. You know that if we are to stay alive and see the peace in every eye. I'd never watched the Dawson's Tr Creek. I can't say exactly why. It wasn't really a conscious choice, but who can say what anybody knew about what they were doing in the 90s, right? Maybe it was because I was 20 when the show debuted and a poorly written teen drama about the troubles of pretty, rich white kids wasn't really that appealing to me at the time. Maybe it was because it was on the WB. <laughs> and I could just never truly get over the channel being essentially named the Warner Brothers. <laughs> or how Michigan J. Frog was the mascot of the channel for some reason. That was weird. An annoying one-off character from the old Warner's Brothers cartoon from the 1955. Maybe it was all of those things. Maybe it was none of those things. I imagined that all Dawson's Creek episodes ended in a very self-conscious wrap-up voiceover recounting in a roundabout way the very deep, important teen drama lessons <laughs> that were half-learned in every episode. <laughs> they didn't. At least not the one I watched for research purposes today. <laughs> yeah, I watched one. Well, part of one. A couple minutes of one. I fast forward to the last ten minutes to see if how I imagined Dawson's Creek episodes ending was how they actually did. It wasn't. And really, when you think about it, that's kind of like life. <laughs> and that's kind of like the life of the samurai. The differences between the lives of Dawson Leary and 19th century samurai couldn't be more drastic. But in a very real way, they were more alike than you'd think. How? Well, I discovered this afternoon that all I have to do is say something over this music. <laughs> and really mean it. 
or at least sound like I really mean it. And I can make anything mean whatever I want. Like if I were to say, for example, that a recent study proved that when presented with a difficult choice, teenagers will instinctively choose the outcome they most associate with being radical. <laughs> or having something to do with doing the do. <laughs> and not the jive choice. You know the one. The one with the purple stuff. <laughs> if I were to tell you that, like I just did, you'd be inclined to believe it. Because it sounds sincere. It sounds right. Just like how it sounded right to me that this was how all Dawson's Creek episodes ended. <laughs> so really, was I wrong about Dawson's Creek? Or was I just right in a way that we didn't know was right? Like a samurai performing defiant seppuku. <laughs> I was the kind of right that we couldn't understand until we really thought about what it actually meant to be wrong. And feelings. And learning. And the 1990s. <laughs> Very good. I don't know why I thought that, but I really thought <laughs> that that's how they ended. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. No, I've no. Doogie Howser. Uh, Doogie, Doogie, Doogie Howser did that. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I think there was others. No, we're thinking of uh, shows that are older than you are. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Let's keep playing Stab. Very good. Uh, That was, this was, today once. All right. (laughs) Please don't lock the door. Um, I mean, lock the door, but don't keep it locked when you're... You understand what I mean. Okay. (laughs) I mean, we're already going to get sued for using that Paula Cole song, so it's fine. (laughs) Uh, this next segment's called Write an Erotic Poem About It. Uh, please have composed an erotic poem based off the following topics. Corrine uh, Lemke, please have written an erotic poem about recess. <laughs> when I looked at this last night, when we got this very late, I was convinced it said Reese's. <laughs> and I spent all night thinking of Reese's poems <laughs> in my sleep, and then woke up to discover that was not my prom. That's just a side note. I almost thought I wrote Re- Reese's when I looked at it. I'm like, oh. I, that says recess, right? This poem is titled Balls. <laughs> Tennis ball. The bell rings. Wall ball. It's time to play. Basket ball. The sweet smell of fresh air. Kick ball. Organize chaos abound. Dodge ball. <laughs> so much energy needing to be burned. Bouncy ball. Freedom. Volleyball. Responsibilities of youth be damned. Wiffle ball. <laughs> Multiplication table can wait. Tether ball. Recess has finally come. Marbles. Marbles. Yes, today I shall play marbles. Very good. Very good. 
<clears throat> now, Greg, I'm going to read this how I wrote it. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> but it says, uh, I hope you have written an erotic poem about fortune tellers with an apostrophe S. Yeah. I don't know why I put an apostrophe. So I guess fortune tellers stuff, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see how it went. Fortune right. tellers. Fortune tellers. Uh, it is at International Women's Day on the day we were recording this. Yes. So I thought a little girl on girl action was the way to go. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Sure it's, oh. it's two pages long. There we go. All right. Give me your hand, the gypsy woman said. She did, as was asked, her cheeks blushing red. Her hand was supple, pink, and slender. The gypsy's touch was caressing and tender. What do you see? The young woman asked. I can see, said the gypsy. You're an impatient lass. <laughs> Why don't I just take my time and take off this teddy? The young woman's hands were suddenly sweaty. Oh my, said the woman, her hands dripping sweat. You've never seen hands this sweaty, I bet. <laughs> the gypsy just tilted her head in confusion. The young woman just sweated away with profusion. <laughs> a veritable Niagara came off of her good, soaking the tablecloth and staining the wood. <laughs> this isn't sexy, the young woman said. The gypsy disdainfully just shook her head. I think I should go, said the woman in haste. The gypsy agreed with a look on her face. <laughs> Did you see anything, though, when you looked at my hands? The gypsy said yes. You've got very bad glands. <laughs> <laughs> very good, Greg. Greg Saban. Very good. <laughs> Melanie Ford. Uh, let's hear an erotic poem about candy bars. Okay. Not Reese's. Candy <laughs> bars. <laughs> I see you at the checkout stand, Snickers. <laughs> You're wrapped up all demure, but I know you. Full of nuts and ready to burst with goo. <laughs> I throw you face down on the conveyor belt. I could take you in my mouth right now. <laughs> but the tension makes it better. We barely make it to the parking lot. <laughs> we barely make it to the parking lot before I'm stripping you down naked. You've waited so long for me, you're turning white. <laughs> Your peanuts are... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Your peanuts are engorged with desire. <laughs> I put you in my mouth and slowly pull you back out, teasing myself with your chocolate coating. I keep thrusting you in, overcome with the sensation of you hold in my cheeks. <laughs> A woman approaches me and says, oh my God, no one eats candy like that. Stop, there are children here. <laughs> I say without removing you, you can't slut shame me <laughs> until you've known the true love I have for this caramel-filled hunk. <laughs> Security may have banned me from Rayleigh's, <laughs> but no one can ban me from your chocolate cock veins. <laughs> Very good, Melody. <laughs> Ooh. Oh. We all needed a second after that one. <laughs> <laughs> I had to collect ourselves. Mm -hmm. Do we have any s Snickers in there? We do. <laughs> you just, uh, oh, John, we've got Snickers. <laughs> With all. <laughs> I'll eat both of them at the same time. <laughs> Jesse Jones. Yes. Uh, please have written an erotic poem about evaporation. Mm -hmm. I tried to make this erotic. 
but it turns out my feelings for evaporation were just so confused, and I had to follow where it led me. <laughs> All right. You were here. Now you're gone. I don't understand. It was wet. It's now all dry. I don't understand. <laughs> the sun was up. Now it's dark. I don't understand. How and why don't I just float up off the ground? I don't understand. <laughs> I covered my eyes. You were gone. Gone forever like you had never even existed. I uncovered my eyes. You were there. Like you didn't disappear at all. Object permanence, I don't yet understand. If I stay up late tomorrow for a moment, time will lose all meaning. It'll be me who moves the minute hand. Somehow for no reason. I'm just an hour older. We all agreed to that. I just don't understand. <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> Good job, Jess. No, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, that brings us to our final segment of the evening. Gr- <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh boy, this la- this last segment's called movie makeup. Uh, uh, it's, it's it's the prompt where I most uh, cop out. Mm-hmm. Uh, in giving the prompt. Uh, so please have composed a synopsis based off the following movie titles that were made up. Uh, all the movie titles titles were made up by WordCounter.net's random word generator. So, uh, And they really were. These were all things that came up. In. Uh, Corrine Lemke. Let's hear the movie uh, that's titled, the synopsis of the movie that's titled The Imperfect Uppity Icicle. It's nice to know how little work you put into the yeah. films we got so late. Yep. Um, <laughs> from the people at Netflix... <laughs> I'll begin now. Um, from the people at Netflix that brought you fire, the greatest party that never happened, comes the equally gripping documentary, Icicle, the Imperfect Uppity Icicle. It all started when Instagram was suddenly flooded with photos of famous models wearing swimsuits in the snow. Everyone was wondering... Why? What's this about? And then we noticed the icicle in the background. The hashtags were everywhere. Hashtag the real icicle. Hashtag perfect to me. Hashtag uppity AF. (laughs) Everyone, and I mean everyone, was talking about this icicle. Where did it come from? Why was it so damn uppity? How did it get those imperfect curves? We were told that if we paid enough money, I could party with Instagram models and this Icicle. (laughs) Rumors started swirling that it was once Pablo Escobar's icicle. (laughs) That some guy named Andy had taken one for the team. (laughs) We quickly realized that this icicle was either full of shit or the smartest icicle hanging from that particular house. (laughs) Finally, the day had come. Everyone had paid thousands of dollars and gotten on the plane to go party with the real imperfect uppity icicle. But when everyone arrived, it was mass 
chaos, and it quickly became clear that we had all been duped. There were no villas. There were no supermodels. There were no island pigs playing in the snow. (laughs) The icicle wasn't even classically imperfect or uppity. (laughs) Now that icicle is facing a $20 million lawsuit, and you are not going to want to miss this documentary or the three other documentaries about the exact same subject. Very good, Corrine. The imperfect uppity icicle. Greg Saban? <laughs> Still correct. Still your name? Still your Still name. Still my name. Okay. Yeah. Just checking. Uh, <laughs> the name of your uh, the movie title that you're getting is Girls Mice Society. Girls Mice Society. Again on International Women's Day. Right. Oh, hmm. This is lining up good for me. <laughs> I'm going to win tonight, everybody. <laughs> oh, shit. Girls Mice Society. This is, how I imagine, this is how I imagine the pitch uh, for this movie went. <laughs> All right. All right, this thing is going to sell gangbusters. It's a cross between Babe, Pig in the City, and Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. <laughs> it's the story of two girls across the world, one in America, the other in... Uh, where's a place we can film where we can get the biggest tax credit and they got no religious aversion to rodents? But, okay, good. Malaysia. Great, Malaysia. That'll work. Okay, okay, good. So, this young American girl, let's name her Michelle. And the little Malaysian girl, let's name her, you know, whatever Malaysian girls are named. Okay. Each of them own a pet mouse. Maybe one is white, the other one is brown, or vice versa. Okay. Anyway... These girls, it goes without saying, are sisters somehow. Maybe, you know, dad knocked up a pro while he was overseas in the Navy or something. Anyway, here's the kicker. The mice are sisters too, all right? That's right. They were born on a tramp steamer, and one of them hopped off when it was docked in New Jersey or something and didn't realize the boat was going to leave. All right, so the mice communicate through FaceTime on the phones like I do with my estranged daughter whenever... whenever the girls are out of the room and they leave their phones lying around, which is going to have to be more than usual since my daughter doesn't go anywhere without her goddamn phone. And I tell her mother that isn't healthy for her, but does she listen? No, of course fucking not. The new dude she's banging, personal trainer, how goddamn cliche is that? Says there's nothing wrong with a girl attached to her phone. But Christ, I mean, her face is never out of the thing. I mean, the one day I get to spend per year with her, she looks like a goddamn Carmelite nun in prayer during fucking Vespers with her head bowed all goddamn day in her goddamn phone. Oh, the movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. The girls both win a contest to see some K-pop boy band or something. That way we can target the Korean market and then they meet. Hey, they bring their mice with them and uh, I don't know. Poof. Ratatouille magic. Uh, a fucking personal trainer. Can you fucking believe that? Very good, Greg. Girls Mice Society. Started picturing Five Goes West. <laughs> That's what was going through my head. Very good. Melanie Ford. Uh, the name of your movie is called Gusty Hanging Surprise. No. Yep. <laughs> Blame wordcounter.net. Steve Buscemi and Jennifer Lawrence play a pair of middle aged twins who are also freelance elephant trainers. <laughs> This casting makes sense, of course, because Steve Buscemi and Jennifer Lawrence are both a Hollywood 45 years of age. (laughs) Lawrence, because she has several major films under her belt, each one aging her in the public eye by about three years, and Buscemi because men never age. (laughs) A traveling circus hires the twins and they gladly take the job. However, the two begin to be targeted and harassed by Big Peta, who insists their elephant training work is a sin. 
They can't believe it. They've always been the kindest and least cattle proddy of the trainers they've known. But Big Peta doesn't care. All interactions with animals are bad, they say, unless you're stealing and murdering the pets of your political enemies. <laughs> the twins begin training the elephants to fight back against Big Peta. The training seemed to be going well until one of the, one of the elephants is found dead. Big Peta is on the case suspiciously quick and gets the twins charged with animal abuse and animal murder. Jennifer Lawrence ages out of the role halfway through and is, seamless <laughs> <laughs> and is seamlessly replaced by Brie Larson. <laughs> Things look bad for the elephant twins, like they'll never be able to prove that it was in fact Big Peta who killed the elephant in their care. But then an idea comes to the twins to teach the elephants to do sign language with their trunks. After an uncomfortably long montage of the elephants learning sign language, we get to see the elephants have their day in court, pointing out Big Peta in the courtroom, proving that they in fact did kill the elephant. Big Peta is sentenced to prison, and the twins are free to train more elephants. In a slide at the end, we learn that teaching the elephants sign language was the only thing that kept them from becoming our overlords, and that all humans were enslaved shortly thereafter. <laughs> Very good. Gusty hanging surprise. Jesse Jones, yeah. uh, bring it home sure. in the show with uh, your synopsis of a movie called Flagrant Oval Impulse. Mm. Flagrant Oval Impulse. Yeah. <laughs> some lines are never meant to be crossed, and some lines only exist for the thrill of crossing them. Her words said no, but literally everything about the way she said those words, and even most of the rest of her words said yes. It's a forbidden love story between a husky-voiced, misaligned seductress and a highly skilled and highly confused healing practitioner. Are you ready? Are you ready to face the flagrant oval impulse? Well, are you, Richard? <laughs> All right, that was Stab. Uh, one more time for everyone you saw tonight. Kareem Lemke, Jake Saban. Melanie Ford and Jesse Jones. If you'd like to hear more stabs, you can go to one of our many online outlets, the primary of which being Stab for Gold, Stab the number four gold.com, or check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. We're all over the place. Uh, thank you guys. My name is John Morris Rasta Ford. Have a good night.